0: On today's episode we talk with a couple that made Graham Field want to get back on his bike and ride. Yeah, they inspired Graham. I'm Jim Martin this is Adventure Rider Radio stay with us We got a good one for you. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. MaxBMW.com. That's M-A-X-B-M-W.com. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. And the Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll fill your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. I'm Sam Manicum, Nick Sanders, Terry Borden, Sandy Borden, Jack Borden, Graham Field, Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray, David Peterson, Rachel, Ed March, Glenn Hickstead, Dr. Gregory W. Fraser, Dave Barr, Michelle Lamphere, Tiffany Coates, Herbert Schwartz Brett Tarts, Zoe Cano, Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins, Joe Rowe, Jeremy Craker, Simon
1: Thomas, Lisa Thomas,
0: Simon Pavey, Grant Johnson, Robert Witt, Seth Simon, Elizabeth Martin,
1: hey, I'm Carol Deval, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.
0: Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com. That's www.greenchiliadv.com. The Moto Breeze Chain Oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed no electrical or vacuum connections it delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil www.motobreeze.com that's two eyes in there www.motobreeze.com Graham Field is a household name if you're into adventure motorcycling. He's a world traveler and the author of three books. He's got different natures, Eureka, and In Search of Greener Grass. And he's also one of the co-hosts on our monthly show that we do called ARR Raw, the roundtable talks of uh, motorcycle travel. Now, Graham's originally from the UK, but a few years back, he moved to Bulgaria and bought a house. And the house that he bought in Bulgaria is just down the road from a place called Motocamp. Now, Motocamp is sort of a motorcycle traveler's motel with rooms and parking and Wi-Fi, that sort of thing. So people come from around the world and stop there to replenish their supplies or fix their bikes or do whatever they have to do. It's a place that Graham likes to go and sort of mingle with other travelers, you know, get a feel for what's going on. Now, for most, Graham Field is a rider that inspires others through his stories of his adventures and through him being on, on Raw. and anytime you see him at a show, he's there to sort of give the message that, you know, there's great things out there. Now, recently, Graham sent me a message saying that he had met this couple at motocamp, and he loved their story. He found them totally refreshing, and they'd sort of rekindled the travel flame for Graham. He said, you got to meet these people. So the next morning, I get Graham Field on the phone, and this is how the conversation went. (laughs) Are they sitting there right now?
2: Yes. Oh, and my mother, the dispatch department, is here as well. Oh, your
0: mother. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so how do you manage to get away from the book depository to come here? I mean, how do you find the time off?
2: It's not easy.
0: Oh, oh The that. orders
2: are stacking up back home, I tell you. I have twice
3: when I get back to
2: do. Yeah, there's,
0: there's almost a book being sold. Are you serious? <laughs> But do you know that yeah, for sure? It, is that confirmed it, it, or is it just sort of... No,
2: not confirmed. Not confirmed, I'm right. waiting for confirmation. I'm pretty sure by the weekend it will be confirmed. and will be paid by June, yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> that is really good. So tell me about your friends. Is it Jan and Silky?
2: Yeah, well, it's spelled Jan, but it's pronounced Jan.
0: That's what I meant. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and Silky. Okay. Uh, well, I was hoping you'd call before they got here, but now I'm going to have to be honest. <laughs> Okay, well, let me tell you, this is what happened. Um, about two years ago, it was uh, when I first moved to Bulgaria, it was a, a unique afternoon when I'd actually had a little drink. And I went down to my account with a friend of mine and Silky was sitting there. And it was the first time I'd met Silky. And to be totally honest, we butted heads initially. We didn't totally hit it off straight away. But luckily, I sobered up and she forgave. And then I found out that she was really quite a spectacular person. And then I met the guy who was to become her husband, and he was pretty cool as well. (laughs) So they also live in a very convenient part of Germany, which means when I get the ferry from England, when I'm coming back to Bulgaria, about three hours after I've left the ferry, got through the network of motorways, which is Holland, and got on a relatively straightforward road, which is Germany, that's their house. So if I'm in a hurry, I can just stop and have dinner. And if I'm not in a hurry, I can stop and stay the night. So they're very convenient friends now.
0: <laughs> Am I hearing a friendship of convenience here?
2: Uh, well, it, 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 it does have convenient aspects, but ultimately there are bonuses to that. And this is where I want, I want to say. I have, that, I have lately become a little cynical, as you may know, about the whole adventure scene because I hear the same stories and the same shit and... Um, and because motor camp don't do food I knew Silky and, and Jan had arrived at motor camp last night and they messaged me saying do you want to go out for dinner and like, oh, I just had a big lunch but if you want to come around I'm sure I can make something for you so they came around and it was a breath of fresh air Jim I mean they don't sit here bragging about what they've done like so many people do oh we've just done the transfor Garrison or we've just ridden to the, Roman- the Dopey Mountains and you just you've heard that from every single person who's come through motor camp and um They did this, I knew they did it, but I don't read blogs because ah, you know. And um so anyway, and I knew they did this winter ride up through up to Nordcap. And um and they were sat here on the couch talking about talking about the ride and the preparation and the way they and of course it was permanently dark. It was nighttime. I'll let them say this better, but they and, and Silky was describing the darkness, the permanent darkness, and she was doing it such a wonderful way. I thought, oh my god, this is brilliant. So that's why I messaged you and said you need to speak to these people because apart from that, I mean, I, don't, I know you did your research. You normally do your research, but I haven't given you a lot of time. But I mean, they're very accomplished writers and they've done all sorts of cool shit. But uh, whether however deep you want to delve, but apart from that, there's the romance a- aspect because it was a, a honeymoon trip as well. So. Um, I don't know what angle you want to take. But anyway, it was it was one thought to because I always thought I was turning into my dad because every time I go out, I think, oh, God, these people have got nothing to say. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Jeanne and Silky came around and said, oh, God, there are still people who inspire me out there. It's brilliant. So uh, that's why I called you. That's why they're here now. Okay. That's why I'm a little bit self-conscious because they're looking at me probably while I'm talking. Oh, they are
0: looking at me <laughs> Well that's really good because what i was thinking last night i thought graham's just drunk he's just he's just sending me this yeah. these text messages because he's drunk <laughs> and it's nice to hear this yeah, morning oh, or today oh, you've got the same attitude so that, that's, that's pretty, a, I
2: a good idea in ages <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so Hello. you guys are going to be the you guys are going to be the studio audience
2: no i'm going to let them go upstairs and do it i thought that'd be better oh, okay well well i don't know what do you think
0: I'm fine either way. I just think I was just going to say the studio audience has to be really, really quiet, which I'm not sure. Do you have any glasses that don't clink? Any bottles that you can open without popping?
2: Uh, no, sorry, Maybe the champagne that's- is going to pop. There's nothing I can do about Maybe that. Maybe
0: upstairs is better then Yeah,
2: I'll, I'll put them upstairs.
1: Okay. My name is Dirk Neumann. I come from Germany, and I'm a freelance author.
4: Yeah, my name is Jan Neumann. I'm coming also from Germany, and I'm um, working for a company and uh, hand and nail care business as a sales director.
0: Jan Zuka, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Now, have I got it? Am I saying it right, Zuka instead of Zilka? Oh, it's all okay, Zilke or Zilke or whatever. Okay, <laughs> so we'll just go <laughs> with that. So, where where are you guys located right now?
1: Uh, we're in Bulgaria in Graham Field's house.
0: You're being hosted by Graham Field.
1: No, we stay at the motor camp in Bulgaria, but um, Graham lives in the same village, so he had the idea yesterday.
0: Right to so come on over. So you guys, as far as your your motorcycling go, both of you sort of go back to early roots.
4: Yes, that's correct. Just got infected quite early, and um, after. F- they're almost finishing um, high school and um, start working. Got infected with uh, motorcycle travel through um, yeah, motorcycle books, almost. Um, to mention is Ted Simon. Um, I guess everybody had read the book, Jupiter's Traveled. And um, yeah, if you just uh, love this kind of books and uh, the experience they just uh, describe, um, there's just one wish, one point just to do by yourself.
0: Zuka, how about
1: you? Well, I... I- I've been traveling since I'm 18 or did my first travels alone when I was 16. And then I was 24 when I got my driving license for the motorbike. Bought my first and second and third motorbikes in the first year. And then I started traveling because combining both the fun of riding motorbikes and traveling is for me simply the best option to go around the world.
0: Are you a racer as well? Are you into racing motorcycles?
1: We both do, yeah.
0: Uh, Yes. (laughs) So what kind of racing is it?
1: rally uh, racing
0: yes it's
4: similar um, like um, almost everybody knows um, from the TV is the Dakar. um rally is the biggest one um, probably we just have here on earth um, it's a little bit too expensive for us but uh, we have and, um, and of course too hard but we've got um, similar smaller um, t- yeah, competition um, rallies here in Europe and in Northern Africa which we just participated and um, yeah we love to speed
0: that's how you guys met isn't it Yes. <laughs> well, no, hang on, um, hang on, hang on a second. I don't think that's right, accurate, because I think it's how you met Zuka, but I don't think Zuka met you.
4: Um, the problem was that um, normally you just have, um, in the field, um, almost men um, riding and um, rallying around, and just a few girls. So, um, obviously, all the men know the few girls, but um, the opposite is almost impossible. So I recognize um, the loveliest butt on the rally um, quite early, but... Um, yeah it took her almost seven years to really recognize me and to remember my name but i was just steady i'm um, telling her every time i met her my name
1: he was riding such an old ugly bike no one else had so how could i <laughs> <laughs> how could i see he was my future husband <laughs>
0: So, the, so there's several things here. Zuka is not very easily impressed, obviously. Jan is not that impressive, clearly. But Jan no. uh, is is incredibly tenacious. I mean, like, like that that is. I mean, you stayed at that for a long time. Yeah, it was quite
4: funny. I was just we had. Um two rallies together and obviously if you're just um hanging around in the same kind of travel group and in the same internet group where you just exchange information about traveling um you always um yeah, have a certain kind of um, interactions with with each other, writing um, some emails or somebody asks um, for information, somebody else is um, just answering. So uh, we just had a continuously um, contact, um, even though it was um, Zilke was not so aware that I was the other person. And it was also very funny when I was just traveling around the world and ended up in Ethiopia. (laughs) Zilke just asked if anybody knows somebody um, who just rents out... um,
1: Multibikes in in Addis Ababa.
4: Yeah, and of course, I was um, right away there and I knew the guy who just rented out KTMs. So I just answered her and... um,
1: In the hope I would recognize him, but I didn't. There are many Jans traveling around the world on a Yamaha (laughs) supertellerie, so who is Jan?
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I didn't even get to thank you <laughs> for informing her. Wow,
0: well, persistence! That's incredible. But so, so it even took longer still before you saw her face to face and and she recognized you.
4: Yes, actually, it was um, 2013. in 2013. There was the um, 30th anniversary of the Yamaha Teneri.
1: In Switzerland.
4: In Switzerland was a huge meeting, um, Europe um, wide meeting, and people came from everywhere in Europe. And uh, we just met there again, and there was the first time she really recognized me. And after I just said my name, uh, my first name, Jan. She just looked at me and uh, said, ah, you're not even Jan Neumann, right? I said, yes. This After is- almost seven <laughs> years, she now remembers my name. So I was very, very happy that day and just got a lot of um, beer.
1: He always asked for for friendship on Facebook, but I never accepted because who is this Jan Neumann? Who could he be? There's so many men riding around me with their helmets on, so who of them is him?
0: You, of course, <laughs> went to his Facebook page and saw the bike he was still riding and thought, forget that. No. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't even visiting my Facebook, man. <laughs> she didn't even give didn't even give you the time to check it. Wow! So, no. <laughs> so, so, come full circle. Then you guys end up getting married. So, there, there was what happened there.
1: Uh, our tenories broke down the same day. So, my my broke down just before breakfast, and he offered his back seat, and I decided not to ride with him together on his bike, and I opted for another one. He was a little bit sad. Some kilometers later, I turned out that my decision was the right one, because his tunnel broke down as well, and he had to go on the back on the motorbike of someone else. And then, well, we had the same experience that same day, and that put us together.
4: And then we start, started chatting via Messenger, Facebook. And um, yeah, here we are sitting now. is having motorbikes in Bulgaria, in a, in a barn, close um, to the motor camp, and just flying in once in a while just to ride here motorbikes.
0: You know, are you Something like that in life. Are you are you like that? You know, where you're extremely persistent with everything. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you figure it out you figure out what you want, and then you go for it, no matter what. I mean, that's a, that's a good quality.
4: I can tell you right away, she's absolutely worth it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure she must be. I mean, that was a long time, <laughs> a long time, yes. and a lot of brushing off as well. A lot of no, no, no.
4: Yes. Yes, but I was just persistent, and I succeeded last year.
0: So what did you guys do for your honeymoon?
1: Uh, we went to the North Cape. In summer? Um, no, that is what everyone else does. <laughs> we right. visit in winter.
0: <laughs> it, it's too crowded up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's too many tourists in summer.
0: Right. Nothing like visiting a tourist uh, destination in the off-season, of course. It gives you a different, uh, a different perspective altogether. But usually there's a season for a reason, and it's weather, of course. Why on earth would you want to go there in the winter?
1: I have never ridden on a motorbike with spikes. Jan did, but I wanted to experience it. And I have never been to the North Cape.
4: And actually, I asked her to marry me um, half a year Earlier, um, after Christmas, um, when we just went for um, a boat trip from Hamburg to Oslo and in front of the castle, um, quite romantically, I just asked um, if she wants to marry me. And uh, there she said yes. And we were just in the middle of um, a very cold town in Norway. And um, I don't know how we just ended up then discussing about making our honeymoon to, to the North Cape in the winter. But um, the idea was there. And it was just a matter of um,
0: when. Not you, if you had to be shocked when she said yes.
4: I mean, with the history, um, uh, she she squeezed me after she just recognized my name, and uh, we just um, yeah came closer together. At one point, and uh, she was just squeezing me that um, now it's time. To, uh, she would say yes if I would ask. Uh-huh. And um, after one and a half, two years, um, you're listening to this. Um, you have no other chance than just asking her. So I did. And uh, it was, um, was good.
1: Well, first, I didn't believe you. Like he, Yes. <laughs> he, he was asking me in front of the castle in Oslo, do you want to marry me? And I was looking at him and said, are you serious? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> I'll ask you again. Do you want to marry me? I'm serious. I said, okay, then, yes.
0: <laughs> You're wondering whether he's discussing the concept or whether this is the question.
1: Because he always said, no, I'm not the person to marry anyone. And marrying is for other people, not for me. Oh, and every time he passed a church and that was a portart. Um, um, Wedding. a wedding going on <laughs> he said oh look at that poor guy he's getting married so <laughs> I thought very he would never ever ask <laughs> um,
4: and there I just was falling on my knees I just made up a very fantastic incredible nice ring out of alloy foil um, which I just steal from the kitchen from my mom over Christmas And you um, didn't even buy your yeah. own
0: aluminum foil to make your ring no <laughs> <laughs>
4: No, I think it was just enough. So um, if you're just buying once um, a pair of rings, so not just for um, asking and then for the marriage. So I just start with a self made ring because it it's comes deep out of your heart um, to do it by yourself instead of just buying some stuff from the jewelry.
0: I agree and, with that, uh, yeah. That's true.
4: Absolutely. But then he just came up with a question if it's serious. And I said, hmm, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So what is the North Cape trip like? Let, let's just say in summertime.
1: I have another done it, and I'm not interested in doing it. <laughs> it's
4: getting kind of beautiful the further north you just um, get up. As um, You're just living in Canada. You just um, probably know in the summertime if you just have 24 hours daylight, and it's sunny, and, um, and then you've got all, um, especially in Scandinavian countries, the um, midnight um, summer parties. But um, on the other hand, um, it's just the area for um, all the europeans to go there for their um, summer vacations and it's fully loaded of mobile homes especially in norway and therefore that the norway norwegian coastline is um quite steep and you've got a lot of serpentine uh, roads and um, you really can't go for um, motorcycle riding the landscape is terrific but um you're just in a row of a long long um Motorhomes, motorcycles, cars, whatever. The same as in in Sweden. Where um, is the North Cape? The North Cape is in uh, Norway,
1: the northernmost point of Europe. Yes, yeah. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Yes, it's located in Norway. So, but um, you have two options to up to go there. You can um, choose rather the beautiful coastline of Norway, which just takes a while to go up there, or you just um, rather go to Sweden or to Finland, which is more or less a straight uh, interstate. So you just have a couple of thousand kilometers to go up, but uh, with the interstate, you just can do it in a few days.
0: And it's open year round.
1: Yes.
4: Yes. Yes. The yes. problem
1: is that in winter, when it's snowing, you need to go in a conway behind a snowplow because they need to open the road for you. So there's uh, one hour per day where they go if they can open the road and the weather conditions allow.
0: Do they balk at you showing up on motorcycles to ride this road? No. No, but it
4: was quite funny. On one um, Shell um, gas station, the guy who just filled up our bike said, oh, hmm, interesting, not so many motorbikes coming um, around these times. <laughs> and at the t- time he just said it, they were just blasting a few um yeah, youngsters um, on um snowmobiles out of the wood, and just doing donuts on the gas station, and we just looked at them and we said, "Oh, this must be a lot of fun as well."
3: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> so there was seven, eight snowmobiles just um, driving around like crazy, and uh, getting off. And I also had a um like yeah a curious look at our bikes and uh, probably just uh, thought we might be a little bit crazy.
0: Well, I didn't realize it was that busy in the winter time. I didn't. I didn't think there were that many tourists going there
1: they come by ship there's the cruise ship the um and they do it as a day trip from the ship from the cruise ship
0: oh i see and you got to pay to get, to look at that you got to pay when you get there do you yes. yes yeah and that's just to go into the the center no that's…
1: there's some <clears throat> films and
0: that's for anything so so if you pull up outside you have to pay
1: yeah.
4: Yes, um, first they've got, um, before you uh, just can enter the parking lot, they've got kind of a booth. We just have to pay first, which was quite funny because we just ended up in a kind of a snowstorm and um, totally dark. And um, then they just ask you for the credit card because you have to pay um, well, the 40 euros for per two um, or per person just to get in. And you're standing there with all your motorcycle gear and trying to get out your card just to pay. And <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of ridiculous with the convoy. We were, we were, I think, 13 or 14 um, vehicles, and there was nothing more at that moment. So we were the first ones. But um, afterwards, it just came then the the, um, the big cruise coaches ship. from the cruise ships. So there were three, four coaches fully loaded with um, boat people from the cruises uh, also entering the North Cape.
0: Uh, I didn't realize there was cruise ship access to it. I, I thought it was only road uh, access. So that means you get some pretty big crowds there at any time.
1: It's around... Um, 35 kilometers from the next port? Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: So um, the port by itself, is located in a very nice small um, bay. And then you just um, ended up on a kind of a plateau, almost 100 meters high. And uh, in the bay, everything's fine. But as far as you're just entering um, the plateau, you just have the icy wind from the, um, from the north pole just coming different over.
1: different
4: weather. And within the 30 kilometers, it's just a totally weather change. You just suddenly have... Temperatures dropping, um, very icy wind, snow.
1: The the way back from the North Cape was the hardest part of the whole trip.
0: Yeah, which was?
1: The hardest part of the trip. The wind was blowing so mm. so hard, and and the road was so icy and so slippery. And well, it was only thirty five kilometers, but I was sweating. It was twelve degrees below zero, and I was sweating so much because it was so. So hard to drive, and then you have all the other people in your back, and you're not allowed to go faster or slower. You have to, to drive or ride in the same pace as everyone else. But that makes it, well, it puts some pressure on you.
0: Yeah. You, you rode a couple old bikes, and I think they're they Kickstart uh, DR350s, weren't they?
1: thats No, I, this is my bike. Jan rode uh, a 750 Super Tennessee.
0: Oh, I see. Right. And, and any problems riding that? The, the distance? Mm-hmm. No. no, not really. No? Um, after we just left the ferry
4: boat in Finland, um, it took me just 45 minute, uh, forty-five kilometers just to have my first flat front tire, which was um, very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, kind of snake bite I just had. Um, but luckily, we just ended up um, 200 meters away from a restaurant. Uh, we just called friends. We just wanted to visit um, on the um, Baltic Sea Coast. And they just came over and um, had a few phone calls, and we ended up with um, a friend of a friend of a friend who was just uh, a formerly um, MotoGP um, winner, Motocross GP. And um, uh, luckily, he just had um, the right um, size of um,
1: the tube
4: tube, uh, in his um, fabulous, um, um, well-organized garage. So it was just a break of two and a half hours, and then we just were back on the road.
0: So you rode up to the, to the North Cape and then you turned around and ride back down?
4: Yep. Yes, we went up in Finland, as I um, said before, just to make kilometers and uh, save time. Because we just had almost three and a half weeks for the entire trip. And we um, went up from Finland to Sweden, Norway, up to the North Cape. And um, to get away from the North Cape, um, we just booked ourselves a ticket um, on the Huttekruten ship to um, another port. And um, from there, we just went down the...
0: The coastline
4: of Norway was another trip with a boat from the Lofotes, on the islands, down to um, to Trondheim. Also, just to save up some time, because you never know about the conditions of the of the roads, even though the
1: this was not the no, the original plan, because we planned only to go, I don't know, one night on the ship, and then there was a very big storm, and the ship couldn't go to any harbor, so we were trapped on the ship for two days. We got an upgrade for our cabin. We got the captain's dinner, all for free because there was no harbor we could reach because of the storm. So we saved a lot of kilometers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was worthwhile being on a honeymoon. (laughs) Did you guys stay in an ice hotel at one point?
1: Yep. And the famous one in uh, Yukaziav near Kiruna. Yep.
0: What was that like? That
1: was our official... um, Wedding night. It was
0: <laughs> really <That's>, sorry <laughs> for laughing, but it's just not something I picture as a, as a wedding night place. So first of all, you're gonna to ride to the North Cape and then you're gonna stay in an ice hotel. Well, I guess the other way around.
1: You need to keep very close to each other to keep warm. Ah, <laughs> you have to love each other. <laughs> no, ah. the, the the ice hotel is a very spectacular thing on on the trip. It was a very special day.
0: Yes. What do they do, What do they do with the yeah. What do they do for a bed on that? Are you are you actually sleeping on a slab of ice or must be a huge chunk of insulation or something?
1: It looks like it's it looks like you sleep on an ice block but there's a wooden podest inside and they put some a normal mattress on it and uh, then you get a sleeping bag and it's like sleeping in a tent or it's Sleeping there is really nothing that special. They give you how to survive a sub-zero night survival training, but we are used to sleeping outside and camping during winter as well, so for us it was nothing special. But the whole hotel is so fascinating because the rooms are made by artists and every room looks different and the whole atmosphere inside, this is so special.
4: It takes them almost four to six weeks just to build up the entire hotel, and with all the artist rooms, they have um, two artists per room, and it's amazing what they're doing out of it. And then they've got four, forty-eight rooms, and twenty-four are made out of um, from from artists, and the rest is then the yeah, the low-budget rooms,
1: which are nice as well.
4: Yes and um, it's a very special atmosphere you also can um, go for a visit and um, it's like a museum and you have to pay a few euros just to enter but it's very nice
1: they have a chapel and an ice bar and many ice crystals and chandeliers it's it's really beautiful there was
4: a couple um in traditional zami closings
1: getting married
4: getting married in the in the chapel with all the guests
0: which is quite impressive what other trips have you guys done together
1: um We've been traveling around the Balkan countries last year.
3: What else?
1: We're traveling nearly
3: every weekend. We went to, we
1: went to, we I went to
4: England from, for a week with the bikes. We just ended up right. um, spontaneously last year in Moscow. Went oh yeah, to, we went
1: to Moscow.
4: Went to the ballet for a long weekend. We just Ball got
1: Choi theater. We went to oh many rallies. We've done one in Morocco together, two in Poland, one in Bulgaria. Croatia. One in Croatia.
0: As far as traveling on your motorcycles, like not so much, you know, going to a race and, and doing that, but I'm thinking more of in trips you may have done of, of interest with the two of on your bikes.
1: Mm, no, since we are together, we did the big trips alone.
0: You did big trips alone? Yeah. I mean, any plans? Yeah. Just, <laughs> any plans to do one together now?
1: Yes, a big one. Yeah, because I mean, you, uh, you guys
0: are travelers, right? I mean, that that's that sort of goes yes. way back, and it's got to be something you're driven to do all the time.
1: We are planning um a, a really big trip with the bikes we have here in Bulgaria. So as soon as Jan mm,
4: might change my job description,
1: <laughs> yeah, I can work wherever I am, and um, Jan needs to be fired. So <laughs> <laughs> when that happens, he
0: needs to be fired. <laughs>
1: To get some extra money, a bonus.
0: Oh, all right.
1: And we are getting ready to leave, and then it's going to be for five or six years, or we don't know.
4: Yeah, the situation just changed with my workplace. I just got um, a couple of weeks um, ago a new boss. And as usual, if they are changing, they have all new ideas, which are, yes, um, more or less um, good or not. So, um, yeah, I just came back home and said, listen, I like, we just have to talk. And uh, I don't know if I'm just keeping my job for a longer time. So um, we just decided to, um, to start preparing everything in case I might lose, unfortunately, my job, my good one. <laughs> um, yeah, that we just um, prepare to, to travel instead. Um,
0: right. So, and, um, and what sort of big trip is this? around the world. Uh, sort of open-ended?
1: Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's
4: the idea of it. Um, yeah. and the last time when I just went for mostly two years, on, I've been on the road. I just ended up somewhere in um, Central America and just getting a little bit tired of it. I was a little bit stressed because um, I just went up in the to the north of America and flew back from yeah, Montreal in September. And um, there was just this pressure that I have to really go because I just... Uh, know how the winter is sometimes coming quite early um, in Canada or in the north of the United States. and I don't want to have this pressure anymore. And so we just um, decided we just start and um, yeah keep the route yeah recording to the uh, weather um, the weather forecasts. So um, mostly no rain and um, we like to have the summer and good weather. So that um, seems uh, what it means that you sometimes um, probably have to stay a little bit longer in the one or the other place because um, the way you want to go might be a little bit snowy. And um, yeah, just take it easy and, um, and drawing life.
0: When you're planning to do a, a trip like you're talking about, you may end up doing if you happen to lose your job. When you're planning something like that, what sort of money do you think you need to put aside? Or, or do you plan on working on the road?
1: I, I am planning to work on the road. It's easy for me to earn.
0: Okay, but you're an author or you're a writer, right? You write for a, a dirt yes. bike magazine?
1: Also, I write for, well, mostly girly things like health and beauty and um, household things. Um my favorite job is the one for the bike magazines. But it's only one bike magazine, so it's not enough to make my living.
0: But the, that's the great thing about being a writer is that you, you can be anywhere. As a matter of fact, probably if you're in different places, it's even better.
1: Oh, I don't care. I just need my computer and some internet connection, and then I send my texts and it's done.
4: And Yann, what will you do? i um, probably maintain the
0: bikes where she's riding. <laughs> no, I mean for work. My bike like, doesn't you, need any
3: maintenance. Will,
0: <laughs> will you save up all your money before you go and sort of live off your bank account? Or do you have to, you know, you plan on replenishing as you go? Because you said it may be an open-ended trip.
4: Yeah, we just have to see, of course, and you have to have a certain kind of amount of money um, on your bank account. And um, from my previous previous trips, I just know that more or less you need an an average of um, around a thousand euros per month for traveling long time. This includes as an average also um, if you might be forced to fly the bike or to fly to another continent to ship the bike. So that's a good average. Um, I just discovered, um, if you have a thousand per month, um, you're, um, wow. well on the road. You don't have to spend it all. But, um, yeah, at one point you just reach the end of Africa and then you're just ending up in, Cap- uh, in Cape Town. And from there, it's just, um, the options, uh, going, yeah, left or right. Um, probably Australia or South America. And then you have to ship and to fly. And if you take this all into account, then it's quite, um, a reasonable, um, amount of money.
0: So then if you can replenish it at all while you're going, that just, uh, you know, extends the trip for you.
4: Yes. So uh, we're starting with, a, um, yeah, with a certain amount of money. And then we just see how much uh, money we just can earn while um, Silke is riding. Probably I can ride um, as well. We just have to see how we're just organizing ourselves there. But um, for Silke, it's for sure that she's riding um, on the trip. So it, there's a certain kind of income.
0: Zuki, you traveled the world, I think, for, what, 15 months?
1: Well, that was how I started. That was the longest trip I did was 15 months. And yeah. since then, I did smaller trips, two months, three months. Like For me, this is smaller trips. For other people, this is the big trip. But for me, it's smaller trips.
0: <laughs> what do you guys think of the difference between the small trips and the big trips? Is there really a difference other than the obvious thing being the, the time that you're out there? I mean, does it make a difference in the experience? Does it get better the longer you're on the road?
1: for us yes
0: why yes
1: because it's it's a it's a kind of decision you make and this is the a kind of life you live when you're traveling it's not a a period let's say you leave home for 6 months and then everything is going to be the same so you keep your apartment don't sell everything you have you have everything when you come back so your car is waiting for you your apartment is there and your job is there this is very different when you decide to sell everything and say goodbye to everyone and then leave and this is your life then, traveling. This is the big difference.
4: I experienced by myself when I just went on my long trip, uh, more or less the first 3-4 months I was just riding to all my friends every probably um, yeah two weeks and uh, the longer I was just on my trip, the less I just wrote. It was at the end, um, every four, five, six weeks, I just wrote a little bit about what's happening. Because at one point, it's it's just your new life. It's your daily business um, to organize a flight, to organize a shipment, to organize any kind of visas, to organize spare parts, getting flown in whatsoever. It's nothing special anymore for you. So it's just your normal life. And, uh, and they
1: think you're on holiday. And yes. it's always laying on the beach and...
4: Yeah. And at one point, you just think about yourself being back home, just going to work every day. I mean, um, from my point of view, it was just like nobody should be interested in what I'm doing every day because it's just my daily work. So nobody's writing every day a diary, a public one, telling anybody um what's going on every day. And, and so you're just ending up the longer you're on the road. You're just getting, to, getting into it.
0: What do you guys see the difference between sort of being on a holiday or being a traveler?
1: A holiday is is, um, just a, a, a short period.
4: It's a more or less pre-organized thing if you're just going on a holiday. If you're just a three or four weeks holiday, you probably know where you want to go. Um, probably you have. Um, oh,
1: you have everything booked in advance. Yes. You know which hotels you're going, which route you're taking. Everything is reserved on Booking.com and.
0: So when you're traveling, you're saying that you're you're sort of winging it. You you just sort of get up in the morning and decide what you're going to do. Yep. But it's still kind of a holiday, right? I mean, you're still, I mean, actually, it's really the ultimate holiday because you you, you, have, uh, you have no commitments. I mean, you're, you're not forced to go back home. You're not trying to pack everything into a week.
4: You've got a lot of commitments. The first one is just um, not um, to prolong your stay in a country where your visa is running out. So um, at least as you just know that um, you just uh, still have one week to go in the country and probably you just need a follow-up visa, um, you have to organize um, the next visa. So um, for the outsiders, it seems to be um, just a holiday, like just being um, three weeks somewhere on an island at the beach. But on the other hand, um, if you're just on the road, you have to drive more or less um, five days a week to get to certain kind of sites you might want to know. And uh, you do have to do your laundry, you have to um, maintain the bike, you have to be careful about the visa regulations, sometimes you're you are not have to
1: allowed, apply for new visa,
4: yeah, which you can't do in the country where you are. So probably um, you have, hopefully, in advance organized a second passport, which you just can send back with DHL Express to Germany, to Berlin, to the, the, um, the visa co- company and organize yourself a new visa. So there are a lot of restrictions you just have to take into account while you're just um, long term traveling. So um, I would say it's six fun. days
1: holidays and one day is work yes. or office day, where you do your laundry, organize your trips, your visa, your everything.
4: Sometimes spare parts or sometimes, sometimes something breaks down. You have to weld something. and um,
1: You have to weld.
4: Okay. I have to weld because I've got the old bikes.
1: She's <laughs> <laughs> always riding bikes. <laughs> Thank you.
0: What's, what's the deal with you riding the old bikes? I mean, obviously, this is something between you two, a, a raz here. Why do you always ride an old bike?
4: <laughs> I'm still riding my old Yamaha Super now for almost 20 years. And... I just managed with my long trip to have seven times um, the frame broken, which um, didn't mean that I fixed it on a very perfect way because it just came back from the trip. I ended up in a German motorcycle meeting and there we have the technical inspection every two years in Germany to get a new sticker and I passed it without any complaints. So
1: Just that time.
4: <laughs> just that time.
1: <laughs>
4: Obviously, they, they didn't know about the welding.
1: Um, two years later they found out
4: they didn't see it I guess right. <laughs> Rather, so, um, in between I just changed the frame but still um, I, I just know these old bikes by heart and I can fix everywhere where I am the bike and get it running again so that's so, why you um, ride but that but bike
1: it would be better yes. not to have any breakdowns like I do
0: <laughs> well I don't know some would argue that's not true because it's the breakdowns that really get you connected with locals and sort of make an adventure isn't it
4: Yes, this is my theory of um, getting involved into the local culture.
1: If it's not 18 (laughs) below zero, Mm, or it's not 24 below zero,
3: Mm,
1: just in the last three weeks of holidays we did together. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just had in um, northern part of Norway when we went on our winter trip on the honeymoon um, a rear flat tire, and I was just yeah it was stuck not in only Alta the
1: flat tire.
4: Yeah, but I just got stuck up where um, in northern Norway in Alta and couldn't drive the bike without any air. At one point it was um, cold, it was dark, it was snowing, a Norwegian guy just um, stopped with a car and asked me if I might have a problem. I said yes, I've got a black flat tire. So um, he just turned his head and pointed um, to a store and said, over there, maybe 250 meters, there's a tire store. So you just have to push it over there. I said, oh, this is lovely. It was, at that point, one of the coldest nights. So I had my bike standing inside. It's just electric start. And, um, yeah, they had and everything And the
1: sharp. ceiling was broken.
4: Yeah, uh-huh. a little bit.
1: <laughs> Twice?
4: <laughs> yes, I got a little bit too much pressure in the engine. And um, the
1: ignition cable broke? No. Yeah? No. To put us happy? What was the problem with the cable?
4: There was a battery connection. okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I could fix it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's the joy of the old bike, right? As you said, you know the bike inside out. You can just go yes. ahead and fix it. Yes, and it works. We arrived, and we just came just back. i just
1: riding my bike and not having to repair it And freezing temperatures.
4: Well, I have to mention that um, below nine degrees um, zero, uh, she couldn't kickstart the bike anymore. So um, that was my job as well.
1: You put some extra weight on the Kickstarter.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the Kickstarter thing, I I don't think I'd be going for that. (laughs) That that, that doesn't do it for me. I I like electric start. But I I, I have to admit, Zuka, I'm with you. I I just like riding. I don't like spending a lot of time working on my bike. I work on it when I have to. But other than that, I want to ride.
1: Yeah, that's the point.
4: I love riding as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, the big trip, we are going to start with different bikes. I will ride the DR350 as well, and Jan bought the DR650 RSV. Mm.
3: Yes, okay. with
0: electric start. Right. What's <clears throat> What's the reason for the, the bike switch?
4: We just had um, the idea of putting two bikes down here in Bulgaria. We've just one of these low-carrier um, flights down to um, Sofia, from our area we're just paying 10 20 50 um, euros for round trip down here and um, we're just covering almost two and a half thousand kilometers and normally it's not raining here in bulgaria but the <laughs> sun is shining <laughs> and um, you just can go down here for a long weekend and um, you're just um, within four hours at the black sea so it's very nice and um, also going around here for a week vacation it's nice. And you're sparing out the uh, uh, 5,000 kilometers on the bike um, just to go down and back home. And um, therefore, I just was searching for a bike, which is... Um,
1: reliable.
4: Reliable, cheap, <laughs> and easy to um, to fix. So, um, I just ended up with a dealer around the corner with these old um, DR650, which now has 21,000 um, kilometers on its clock. So um, I bought a, the bike with 16, and um, I love it. It's um, Yes.
1: And I found out that um, well, first I thought that 350ccm and 27 horsepower is not enough for traveling because I always rode bigger bikes. And then the last year when we did the trip around the Balkan countries and the one to the North Cape, I thought it's enough for traveling. And the bike is such a simple technique. Well, if something should break, I can fix it on this bike. Everyone could fix it very easily. So that that was my decision to sell my BMW and keep the DR350.
0: Do you have any trouble licensing the the motorcycles in Bulgaria?
1: It has a German number plate.
0: Yes,
4: they still have German number plates. They're registered and insured in Germany for entire Europe.
1: But there shouldn't be any problem. It's the European Union. Once I brought my car here and it got a, a Bulgarian number plate within three hours...
0: Oh, so it's wow. easy. Oh, so easy to switch over. They're not doing a safety inspection and things. Yep. Yes, they do it. Oh, they do. Oh, I see.
4: Yes. It's compulsory everywhere in Europe. More or less every two years, you have to um, to show up um, at a technician and um, getting a stand.
0: We're going to take a short break. We're going to be right back with Jan and Zuka. They've got some riding tips from things they've learned on the road. You know, motorcycles are manufactured for the masses. You know, they're done on a production line, obviously. And there's limitations in cost and even use for the average rider that dictate how the parts are made for the bike. In other words, they make them for, you know, people who are going to do average riding, not necessarily serious use. And when you really use your adventure bike, there's some key components that you'll want to change that, that can dramatically enhance the handling of your ride. And one of those keys is foot pegs. And IMS foot pegs are designed specifically for adventure riding. That means they're unbelievably tough. It's a cast certified 17-4 stainless steel. They use certified heat treating, etc. But moreover, IMS foot pegs have aspects built into them that make them perform for adventure riding, like watershed design, which sheds mud and dirt from the peg naturally, or the extra width in areas that helps performance but doesn't hinder the brake and shifter access. Better pegs are better by design, not by accident. Drop IMS products website at www imsproducts.com. have a look at their full line of foot pegs for adventure riders. And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, make sure you tell them you heard them here on adventure rider radio. Ooh. Carrie Doherty is the owner of moto bird adventures located in California and moto bird adventures does motorcycle tours for women. And Carrie has some three and five day trips running this summer for July. There's July 22nd to 24th. That's a three day, two night trip. Called Central Coast California, and with that you're going to be riding about six or seven hundred miles, which is about nine hundred and fifty to eleven hundred kilometers. You'll be staying in hotels. You're going to be doing some wine tasting and pairing. Uh, visit a motorcycle museum, a vintage vintage motorcycle museum. And um, you're even going to be able to take a midnight dip in a mineral hot springs under a full moon. Sounds very cool. This may be a great gift for your wife or significant other, if not for yourself. Also, um, in August, Motobird Adventures has a five-day, four-night trip called the Lost Coast of California Dual Sport Ride. So drop by their website, have a look at what they've got, www.motobirdadventures.com. And of course, make sure when you're speaking to them, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Now back to Jan and Zuka with some riding tips they learned from their honeymoon. So are are you guys are you guys fans of riding in the cold? Because you keep you, you talk a lot about riding in the cold.
1: Um, it's and something special.
4: It is. Um, if you just have the right gear, it doesn't matter. So um, it's not comparable to. Um, I'm just going around the corner, and it's just five, six, seven degrees um, plus. And um, you just jump into your jeans and put the jacket and your helmet on. Um, then it's getting cold, but if you have the right gear, I'm um, full studs and we just got um, heated vests and uh, heating grips, nothing really special, but it helps a lot and it makes a lot of fun then driving around in the cold because you're not feeling cold at
1: all. You're not feeling cold, but you enjoy the landscape and it's really special to ride on, on all those surfaces like ice and snow and it's so. It's so different from anything else you would do normally with your bike and it's really, yeah, the landscape and the colors and everything is so beautiful out there.
0: You said full suits. Is that like a one-piece suit you're wearing? Yes. Yes. What what other sort of special gear do you you have for um, riding in the cold?
1: We have heated insoles and the shoes and the boots, then we mm have…
4: They are very lovely.
1: I have heated gloves. Jan has heated grips. We both have heated jackets.
2: Heated, heated, risers. heated
1: risers. Well, those didn't work that well when it got really cold, but it helped. Yes. And then, no, well, that's it.
0: Heated insoles. Now, that's, that's something I haven't tried before. I've seen the heated socks. I haven't even come across heated insoles before. So you're slipping those into your boots?
1: Yep. Yes.
4: And they're connected to the main uh, electric system to the bike. Of Jan. Um, I used the other one.
1: <laughs> and you just
4: have, um, yeah, um, you can um, choose which kind of um, heat you really like. So it's just a, core, yeah, a small potty. You just move, and um, then it's getting warmer and warmer. And it's a lot better than heated socks. We just have in the front of the toes um, a small patch which just heats up, and the soles from the, the
0: entire um, boot. boot is just heated up.
1: I use it with batteries because my um, generator of the bike is so small.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next is because you're running that much heated mm-hmm. gear, there's no way your your DR350 is going to power it.
1: This was a big problem because I wanted to connect the heated vest to the generator, to the electricity system of the motorbike and the the, the gloves. gloves. And then we added extra light because we were riding in the darkness. So I had to exchange all the lights all the bulbs everything on the bike to led uh bulbs and then i had enough electricity for the heated vest the extra light and the gloves but still not enough for warm feet so (laughs) i had to buy the uh, battery version which is good because when it's cold at the campfire or somewhere outside in winter when you go to the christmas market you still can't keep your feet warm
0: and what do you do for charging the batteries
1: Oh, they last forever. I bought it's a special system they sell here for high mountain sports. So it's um, they were ninety euros. So they keep well. They are supposed to to work fourteen hours at twenty degrees below zero. And we were riding around eight hours at up to thirty-seven degrees below zero. So it's okay. I have always had warm feet.
4: Yeah, and uh, we just stayed all the um all the time somewhere indoor in hotels, small huts, um, which just came along. And we had a huge bag with um, a lot of cables and... Um, chargers. Chargers. And it was quite funny to see when we just entered a room um, what we all had to charge, because um, with these kind of temperatures, all these lithium-ion um, batteries... And the
1: cameras They were just empty,
4: like, um, within a few um, hours.
1: Below 30, the cameras did three pictures, Yes, With
0: one battery. <laughs> right. Well, that's the one thing with lithium ion uh, is uh, that you, you have to actually load them up to get them working in the cold. They don't work in the cold very well. So often, what, like if, if you have a, a one in your bike, to start your bike in the cold, you may find you go to hit the starter. It doesn't start. You actually have to turn the light on, leave the light on for a minute or two, then shut it off and then turn it back on again and start it up. And that heats up the battery and it starts right up. It, it is so counterintuitive for what you would think for any battery.
4: Yeah, but we didn't have these batteries in the, um, in the bike, but we just had intercom. And um, it was just lasting for half an hour instead of 10, um, in the coldness of minus 30 degrees. And um, it was just so vulnerable. Um, the device was just sitting outside on the left um, of the helmet. And uh, there was no cover for the um, the wind. We just um, had encountered on on the bikes. So, um, they, they carried some laugh.
1: batteries inside of the jacket, and
4: yes, for no. the cameras, but it was not also the um the batteries, but it was our small compact cameras, uh, the mechanics didn't even move, so um they couldn't at the end not um focus anymore to make a clear picture. <laughs> it just <laughs> yeah. stopped. So we made some pictures and really can can see um in the uh, row of pictures uh, which we made from the temperature, uh, it was just not getting Trust. clear anymore. Yeah it was impossible for the camera so we just put it back into the, um, the jacket to so the body um, to heat it a little bit up to make um, some more pictures um, later on
1: but for the battery of the bike we never had a problem no we thought we would get a problem so we bought a big um, battery block to jump start it we never needed it. And then we had a special plug for um, at my bike because we thought we could kickstart it every morning. So this is the safety bike and he, my bike could start then Jan's bike.
0: It was jump cables, well, we didn't we need anything of it. Out. Yeah, well, batteries are always a pain, aren't they? When, anytime you're dealing with the cold. But you mentioned um, heated visors. How did they, you, and you said they didn't work very well.
1: They They're perfect for middle European winter, I think, but yes. below 20... They're not working anymore. So whenever you breathe, um, your breath gets ice on the screen and it's, well, you can't see very well and it's dark around you and all the cars that come in front of you have their bright lights on and everything gets reflected. And when you open the visor, you get the really, really biting cold wind into your face and your eyelashes freeze together and, well... The wiser was not perfect for northern winter.
0: I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking, well, that doesn't sound like fun. It was. <laughs> it, it,
1: it's just the whole experience. Like when Jan experienced it with the frozen eyelashes for the first time and then we were talking on the intercom, <laughs> and he said, do you have the same experience when you close your eyes or you blink, you hardly can't open them? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, now that you're talking about it, yeah. yes. <laughs>
4: It <laughs> was also so funny. You really don't think about it. You just have a heated visor, but also you have cold air inside the helmet, and uh, you're just breathing inside the helmet. So of course, um, with a heated visor, um, the breeze is just, um, yeah, like um, small water drops um, going down on the visor in, um, inside, to the point that you can't even open the visor anymore. I was locked in
1: my helmet two times because the water that came yeah. from the visor it's it's the wasn't
0: it? <laughs>
1: they couldn't open it anymore.
0: So what's the solution That's then hard. what do you do with it
1: Oh I the first time I was alone I went into a shop and I wanted to open the helmet and then realized it was all frozen so I stayed in the entrance where they had a heating blowing warm air and I stayed there for minutes waiting my visor would well defreeze and it didn't so I went to the cashier and said I'm very sorry I can't take my helmet off and I can't even open it by, but I need to go shopping here is that okay and she was laughing saying yeah no problem and the second time Jan was there and he had to open it with a little bit of force, force.
4: <laughs> but you never thought about before um, that this might happen and then you're just sitting there and say oh, I can't open my wallet that's fun
0: it's frozen <laughs> But so, when what's that, the overall solution? How how do you get around all this? Uh yeah, we don't have a there's solution. There's nothing
1: for it. you have, you can do about it. It's just nothing. happens again and I was, again.
0: I was really hoping you're going to have some sort of solution because that solves a lot of problems <laughs> it. I have. For, because
1: for, all the defrosting liquids they don't work anymore. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, we were. We went to um, came. Um, in Kautekainu, it was one of the, um, the coldest areas up in the northern part of Sweden. We just arrived there in the town and went to the gas station. And, um, the lock from the gas, um, cab, cab was just frozen, a silk spike. So, um, for this kind of reason, we just had this liquid lock defreezer. But it wasn't liquid anymore. It was a little bit jellic. <laughs> so you, you couldn't get it really out, despite the case that you couldn't get it into the lock. So uh, it took us a while to get, um, to open the tank to get some gas into it. And it was just uh, minus 25 or 26 degrees. Yeah. So we were just a little bit um, surprised about it uh, because normally um, in German winter it always works. So <laughs> we had it with us, but yeah, not up there.
1: Another problem was that we didn't expect any fog to be there at 25 below zero and we were riding just into a a big it looked like a, a cloud and everything was frozen instantly like the lights were frozen our clothes were frozen everything was covered in ice and as soon as the lights are frozen you don't see anything anymore because there's no light and then we had to stop and to defreeze and well After five kilometers, the same story, so we left without cleaning it every five kilometers. We just opted for, well, searching our ways through the darkness. (laughs) There was nothing we could do for it.
0: The one-piece suit, I mean, that's clearly uh, far better than the two-piece.
1: This is what we think, and this is what everyone in the northern countries is doing, but in Germany they say the two-piece is better.
4: You know, with this one-piece suit, you're just uh, lovely um, locked up against um, the outside. Like you <laughs> Um warm like a baby. There's no wind coming inside anywhere. And uh, with a heated vest um, below, uh, well, with, uh, you're just wearing, it's just um, very comfy and nice. We just got um, huge wind visors around our um, handlebars, so um, down to minus six, seven degrees. I was just still driving with summer gloves and my heated grips because it was so good. Um, uh, um yeah, just afterwards I just used
1: the big winter gloves, and I put a windscreen on my d three fifty to protect me from the cold wind that helped a lot. but all in all, it's not rocket science it's easy things you can do at home in your garage.
0: You find that the hand grips are enough to like the hand grip warmers no. are enough.
1: Jan says yes, I say no okay yes, so you, I mean. you're using
0: like um like the one of the the handlebar muffs or something like that where you put your hands inside them.
1: Uh, we had that as well, but I had heated gloves. So my hands are not heated from below, but also around the fingertips and on the back, everywhere, and from the heated grips, you just have the heat from, yes. from the inside. Right.
4: So. There's a special company in Germany who are just um, producing high-end glasses, very small, tiny um, wires inside, like you just know from the heated seats from cars. So you just have all around your hand and your fingers – a very large, warm. Um, I used them for
1: over ten years, and they never broke. So. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: that's really good. Because I tried I many, find. many. <laughs> many gloves.
1: Sorry? Yeah, many many brands of heated gloves, but those were really they last since ten years. So.
0: Anything to do with your your bikes that you found that works well for cold weather riding?
4: Full synthetic oil, which was um, really good. So um, you really could feel with a kickstart um, with a minus 20 and minus 25 that it's got a little bit thicker when you started kicking it, but um, it's still it, white. it absolutely was um, terrifically working and we just had no oil usage at all during the entire trip, even though we just had this such old bikes.
1: And we read so many experiences of other of other people who tried to reach the North Cape in winter and many of them had to turn around because of the road conditions because they they crashed the bike and they couldn't go further and, and I don't know what they did. We just put knobbly tires, knobby t- tires, the motocross tires on it, and then put the spikes into them. So we were Perfect for all road conditions. When there was deep snow, we used the knobby tires. When there was ice, we had the spikes. We had no crashes. We had no, no difficulties. It was yes. easy riding.
4: But we also um, had um, almost six, 600 spikes per bike.
1: 558
0: yeah. Yeah, 500. on my bike. Wow. And we
1: had to screw them in by hand.
0: How many spikes per knob are you putting in? It
1: depends
4: um, on the size. On yeah. the rear we just had um two per nobby uh, there were um three uh, was five nobblies in a row. On the outside, um just one spike and um then within the um the three ones in the middle there were um double spiked. On the rear and on the front we just had uh, one um spike per nobbly.
0: The thing is, though, you guys are are racers. I mean, you're used to riding around and stuff that's slippery and and really um, handling your bike different than most street riders, which is probably another reason that you make it to the the North Cave in the middle of winter without an issue.
1: This is the reason because we didn't fall or crash. Mm -hmm. Because we are used to the bike going somewhere else, as we told him to do, or (laughs) slip around and then keep control on it. But um, I think everyone can do it in a... well slower pace maybe, or with more days.
4: It just gives us um, probably an advantage because we know how um, yeah bikes react if you're just driving in sand or in mud and you're just um, sliding a little bit around. But um, in the northern part, um, on these icy roads, um, every day you just learn... Yeah. To know um, how to handle your bike in a new way, because
0: every day the surface
4: surface just is different. Sometimes frozen. Several sometimes...
1: times per day, it changes.
0: Yes, Jan Zuka, great to talk. Thank you very much. Thanks yes, to you. thank you. <laughs> That was Jan and Zuki Neumann, and uh, we have a link to their website, which is kind of difficult to say, um, on our website in the show notes for this one. www.adventureriderradio.com. Click on this show and look at the show notes. That link will be in there. And if you're interested in looking at Graham Field's books, of course, it's grahamfield.co.uk. Max BMW Motorcycles has been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter too. It's free. MaxBMW.com. That's M-A-X-B-M-W.com. Best Rest Products is home with the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, easier Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. Whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. And the Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll fill your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's the one we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any dry bag into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. And that has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com The Moto Breeze Chain Oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for Speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets, and forget about the messy spray oil. TripleW.MotoBreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. TripleW.MotoBreeze.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course to you, the listener. Thank you very much. Hey, if you like what we're doing here and you'd like to help out the show, there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can help spread the word by sharing it with your friends or people you know, maybe posting it on Facebook, like our Facebook page. But more importantly, the show is built on a model of advertising and donations to help make the thing work. So consider dropping by our website and clicking on the Donate button. That's www.adventureriderradio.com and the Donate button. There's a bunch of different ways to donate. You can, anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker sent back at you from us, our way of saying thank you. That's a sticker for your bike. Anything $50 or more will get you a mention on our Raw show. That's the other show we do, the monthly show. And by the way, all these shows are free, so you can just download them. You can go and listen to them as much as you want. The other show that we do is a monthly roundtable talk called ARR Raw. You have to subscribe separately to both, but of course, they're free to subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Just look for ours. My name is Jim Martin. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. See you next week. This is Scooter Chan Scotty coming to you from Adventure Rider Radio.